Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Kitchen Garden Magazine podcast, your fortnightly fix of gardening features, advice and chat. Subscribe and follow us now to never miss an episode. Welcome everybody to the Kitchen Garden podcast. This is um, episode 88 and uh, we're all in our virtual sheds here. Um, We've got uh, Emma Rawlings here. Hello. Hello. (laughs) And Tony, Tony Flanagan. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, Um, and we're all socially distanced, um, just having a chat about what we've been doing on our plots and all that sort of thing. And we thought this month we'd um, make it a little bit different and have a, a Q&A session. So um, we've got uh, lots of questions from our um, followers on various platforms. So you'll find us on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram and Pinterest. Um, so we've, uh, and also YouTube, of course. Um, and lots of people have been asking us questions and we thought we'd um, have a little session in trying to answer a few of them for you. Um, Anybody who doesn't get mentioned, um, we'll do our best to answer them on the comments section on the various uh, sites. So, are you ready for this game? We're going to try and answer everybody's everybody's problems. We've got marital problems, uh, tax and all the rest (laughs) of it to get through. But we'll start with an easy one first. Um, so we've got um, Eric Thompson, who's a follower on Facebook, and he's asking what he can do about apple scab. Um, don't know how oh. we've got apple trees. We've got a couple of apple trees. Been really lucky with mine. Don't tend to suffer too much with scab, but I know some varieties are worse than others, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, oh, that, that's, the classic symptoms of that, of course, are the, are the scabby brown markings on the, on the fruit. But, but you also get them on the leaves, don't you? Um, That's right, yeah. Caused by a fungus. Yeah, yeah and um, I mean, you can often um, peel it off, can't you? It doesn't always go much deeper than the skin, but it's, um, no. it, it can <laughs> get bad. It can, yeah. I've got, I've got an old apple tree and, you know, I get scab every year. Um, and there's not a great deal you can do, is there? You can't, I mean, you can't use a fungicide on it. Not so anymore, it's no. down to yeah. down to scraping the leaves up and burning them. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good thing to do, isn't it? Because it overwinters the fun. It's a fungus that overwinters in the fallen leaves, and on, like Emma was saying, on the branches as well. So 
you often get like little cankers, don't you? There's another disease called canker, but you get little um, marks on the stems where you can see they're infected on the little thin twigs, and you can prune those out as well when you're doing your winter and your summer pruning. So that certainly helps. I mean, the, the um, thing, I think it's varieties, isn't it? If you're thinking about um, having apple, you know, planting apples, then it's one thing to consider, isn't it? You can perhaps get some varieties yeah. a little bit more resistant. Yeah, get some expert yeah. advice, really. Go to an apple day or something, which should be coming around pretty soon, won't they now? There's um, um, probably had some apple days around the country. And if, but if you see um, uh, a variety you like, perhaps get some advice before you buy it to make sure it is scab resistant. Um, Eric doesn't say what his variety is, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, if you have a look on, web, on uh, websites of some of the bigger fruit tree companies, the fruit suppliers, they'll tell you, what the scab resistant ones are. Mm. We've got another question here from uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Brown on YouTube. And he's saying, is wood chip okay to put on his compost heap? Um, he says he's heard that it uses up nitrogen, but being part of the brown constituent, does that mean it's ideal to compost? What do we think? Well, I'll get well, this as well, because I think he's, he also mentioned somewhere, I think, that he's um, pruning hedges. So I always uh, have this bit of a perennial problem for me too. Well, the thing about shredding and, and, and wood chip is it's obviously been gone through a shredder and it's, it, it's smaller pieces, but um, it's still pretty dense wood, isn't it? And, and it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't personally put much on a compost heap. Mm. I mean, you know, it's the sort no. of thing probably sprinkle a, a, an inch or two on it and then dig it into the heap mm. and it might yeah. provide yeah. A carbon and, and and help with the you know the balance of the greens and the browns to get good composting but it's the sort of thing to be honest you're gonna have too much of it to put it on the compost heap I think you're gonna have yeah. to make a separate heap um, and then use it on pathways and things you know natural pathways or um, or once it's completely really rotted down, I mean, it's the sort of thing you perhaps could put a bit more on the compost heap, but not straight, really, as it's just been shredded. Um, I wonder so what it's like as a as a mulch around, you know, on the surface, because I'll, 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 you know, imagine that you know it's not going to tie in the nitrogen quite so much if it's on the surface. No, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've mm. used it as a um, mulch on paths and things and I think it's perfectly okay mm. there use on that sort I, of I, I, I mean I certainly wouldn't use it on I mean I think probably fairly fresh you might get away with it around a few shrubs but mm. I think if you're putting it on sort of say say your brassic around your brassicas right immediately mm. around the, mm. if, oh, yeah. your, your, your vegetable plants I would say not a good idea because mm. it, it will draw mm. on the nitrogen from the soil won't it as it's been mm. broken down mm. um so, I mean, but good for pathways. I mean, even if it edges onto a border or onto a vegetable border, it's not quite so bad. But I certainly wouldn't sort of put it immediately right next to vegetable plants. Yeah. Um, uh, many years ago, I put some round some um, broad bean plants and they went yellow. Oh, right. <laughs> and that was probably why. Well, that showed, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yellow. The others were fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, so fine, as long as both of you are going to, if you are going to put it around shrubs and things, perhaps a little bit of high nitrogen fertiliser down first. Mm. On, yeah. On the soil first. 
It will break down, won't it? I had some in a big yeah. bolt bag yeah. once when I'd, um, I'd shreddings from my, from my hedges, as I say, and it took a long time, I and mean, it took perhaps a couple of years, but even just left on its own, it does break down eventually, and I could just use yeah. it, you yeah. know, it's in the other compost then. But, uh, yeah, so I suppose an answer to, to Malcolm's question, it's just, yeah, you can use it on the heat, but just in small amounts, and mm. like everything else, really, just small amounts, mix it in with plenty of green as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, we're ripping through these, folks. It's going to be one we don't know in a minute, and then we'll be in trouble. But we've got some. Um, uh, oh, question from James. James Haviland is asking, um, when is it okay to split rhubarb? Um, he says, we often, he often reads that it's recommended in the winter, um, but where he lives, the ground can be frozen and under snow a lot of the time. <laughs> Yeah, so, sounds um, like Scotland. It does, doesn't say exactly, but it does sound like that, doesn't no. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I suppose uh, that is really whenever they're dormant, isn't it? Um, so you can split them from sort of November onwards, really. So perhaps you could split them when the weather's not quite so, before the weather gets quite so bad. It um, might get quite bad before then in Scotland. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> it might, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think if you if you live somewhere that really is harsh weather, I, I would say that, I mean they, that you could probably get away with it as soon as the leaves are starting to get really sort of collapsing and and just you know you, towards the end of autumn, don't you think, or, or end of October yeah. even maybe you get, might get away with it. It's certainly yeah, better it's than the spring, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it's dormant, it should be fine, shouldn't it? So. Yeah. yeah, you have to sort of um, interpret these things, don't you, a little bit and adapt them to, to where you live. Yeah. But, um, mm. yeah, as long as it's dormant, I think it should be all right. We've got a, we've got a video on YouTube, haven't we, of us um, all splitting a clump of rhubarb. <laughs> I think it took all three of us to dig it up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems to go down forever, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was in your garden, Tony. You'd probably been there a while, hadn't it? I should you imagine. probably had, actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to see a, a bit, um, watch a video of three old codgers trying to dig up a clump of rhubarb, just visit hey, YouTube. Speak yourself. Speak, <laughs> devil. Speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm really in trouble. Just as well where you're totally distanced. <laughs> it is, but I'm, I'm only saying it because you can't get at me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All My Reads gives you unlimited access to more than a hundred specialist books, from history to mystery, rockets to royals, planes to trains, bikes to biographies, and much, much more. Access the digital books across multiple devices, including your desktop, tablet, and phone. All My Reads is just $4.99 per month. Visit allmyreads.com to find out more. Browse the extensive range of titles, and try your first month for just 99 pence. Get ready to browse and begin. Oh, we're moving on quickly. We've got a question from Pauline, Pauline Gamble. Um, she's asking if, if sowing carrots in pots, should she feed them? So she's tried growing carrots, but they're often pale in colour and the centre is woody. What is she doing wrong? Um, Presumably, she means she means that she's growing them in the soil and they're going pale in colour. I think, and so she's think, thinking of growing them in pots. Do you think that's what she means? Oh, possibly. 
Um, yeah, it could be. I mean, I've had, I, I must admit, I've had um, the similar, similar problems in both, really, in pots and the soil, but I've always put it down more to watering, really. Always seems a lot worse in dry weather. You get sort of a much harder core in the carrot, don't you? It can be quite mm. unpleasant to eat yeah. sometimes. And some varieties I find seem to suffer more than most from that, um, having these sort of harder, thicker cores in the middle. And um, and also going more more of a yellowy colour than orange if it, if they've been through a drought, been too dry. Mm. Now, even this year, I was I was growing some outside in the in the plot, and despite watering regularly with the old watering can, they never really got the soil wet enough. Mm. It's only when you get a good downpour <coughs> of rain that um, that the soil was really soaked. Yeah, well, we had some very dry spells, didn't we? I had yeah, the same actually. Yeah. My carrots just didn't didn't do that well, and uh, mm. water them or water them. But even that wasn't probably enough with those dry spells we had. No, no. But she was saying, "What should you feed them with?" And um, I mean, so well, certainly in pots, it's even worse, isn't it? Because they're relying on you for food and water all the time. Then, um, even if you get a good downpour, often it runs off, doesn't it? Off of the off of the leaves. Um, so you've got to give them even more water then, but you're saying what to feed them with, and I, I don't know about you guys, I just give them a tomato feed really, whenever I'm going around feeding the tomatoes, I'll splash those as you know, carrots, and whether they're outside or in pots, in the, in the ground or in pots with a bit of tomato yeah. food. You use something like miracle Grow or Fostrogen, couldn't you as well? I mean, there's all sorts of yeah. things, sort of anything really, maybe occasionally. We don't overfeed. Um, no, no. Yeah, you know, once a week, yeah, once a week, once a fortnight would probably be enough, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, should be fine, shouldn't it? So, um, yeah, so really just a good good general feed, maybe depending on what stage of growth they're at, I suppose, a good um, high potash one perhaps when they're sort of later on um, to get the roots really growing, high phosphate one from potash. Um, to really get them going, but yeah, don't overfeed, as you say. Cool. I've got another question here. Um, it's a question on time, the herb time, rather than father time. Um, Any time I buy dyes. Oh, this is really sad. They're hardy. Says, are they hardy, and how much water do I give them? Um, probably not a, a lot. <laughs> they're a bit tricky time, aren't they? I find. Yeah, I've, I've, had quite, I've had quite a few time peg out on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the thing is, with them, they like they like quite a sort of free draining soil, don't they? They don't like it too mm. clay soil. They don't like it too boggy and too damp. And they like oh. a nice, full, sunny, sunny site. Um, I think if you've got heavy clay soil, it might be worth growing them in a pot. Um, mm. and, and it's yeah. also recommended that you... The other thing that happens with times is they get old very quickly, don't they? I mean, I know they're yeah, perennial, okay. but they, if you don't keep them trimmed, they mm. get all straggly and... They get horribly um, woody, don't they? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's one of those things you've either got to just keep renewing them or you just keep, you know, snipping them off. I mean, I certainly, if they do flower, they recommend taking the flowers off. Well, immediately they finish flower and remove the flowers mm. and just trim a light trim. 
so the idea is it keeps it more bushy growing but um they are a bit notorious notorious i think times actually Mm. they're not too bad to grow from seed the seeds are very small but if you're patient and uh you know you can get some nice fresh thyme just from seed rather than buying them from the the garden center ready formed yeah so um you know because like you say they do go really they can go really woody mine mine have and I just get rid of them in the end and, and sow some fresh. Yeah. It's not a bad idea, actually, because you could sow a lot, couldn't you? And then you can just keep yeah. them and sow them every couple of years, and then you, you can actually create a lot more, you get a lot more plants. Whereas if you just buy yeah. one from a garden centre, you, you know, you're still paying mm. quite a lot of money just for a small pot. Whereas if you sow them, you're going to have a lot mm. more young plants. Mm. Um, you're ticking over, aren't you, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've certainly had the best results from from mining pots this year. I think because I'm on heavy clay as well, so they they really don't live very long at all out in the garden. They, I have to put them in compost and add a bit of grit to it when I'm planting them up, and a bit round the top as well. Apart from looking decorative, I think it just helps keep the stems a bit drier, and um, mm. anything that gets the water draining through really. But lovely plants, aren't they? Lovely in their own right. Oh, so many different varieties. Mm, yeah. Really great. Yeah, but I think once you can get them going, we do occasionally get them coming up in a sort of gravel area that we've got. They will just self-seed very occasionally. Oh, really? oh, right. yeah. But very well drained, as you say. So um, mm-hmm. that's the only, the, the only part of the garden that is, I suppose, with the, with the gravel. And um, they do enjoy that. Yeah, that's great. Oh, we've got through a few questions there, there guys. Oh, I think we, we missed a question, I think. Well, we? Yeah. Yeah, there was one about, apparently one on YouTube, we had about sharpening tools. And what's the best oh, tool right. for sharpeners? Oh, well, right. funny, you should, funny they should ask that, Steve, hey? <laughs> yeah, so somebody, somebody written something about that recently. <laughs> Done. Yeah, I can't think who it was. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just so happens in our December issue, we've got uh, a very de- full and detailed feature on sharpening tools and looking after tools. Um, so yeah, um, we actually mention how to do it, do it with secateurs as well. So um, yeah, well, I always use just a, a whetstone or a oilstone, or I've got a nifty little um, file. I bought for only about three quid, I think, from the hardware store. It's just a very fine file. So you can you can actually file the blade without taking the secateurs to pieces. But um, if you get a posher pair of secateurs, just once a year, you'll find it, you can quite easily just take them to bits um, and take the blade out. So it's much easier to sharpen. And I do that once a year and sharpen it on a stone. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. But uh, yeah, a, a full and comprehensive feature in the December issue. So uh, yeah, do, do look out for that. I must read it. Looking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I've just found the question. Yeah, I do apologise. That was from Graham Thomas who asked the question. Um, so apologies there, Graham, if I, if I missed you, but uh, we, we did at least um, answer your question in the end. Yes. <laughs> Oh, he's also asked, he has asked another question, actually, Graham, if we've got time. He was saying about um, if you can get well-rotten cow muck, is it worth putting on fish blood and bone as well? I think there's, there's probably um, different, different answers from different people on this one, because I've only read recently, I think, um, I think it's Charles Dowdy who was saying if, you, if you've got really good compost, you know, uh, and you put it on and you generous with it then you may not have to use anything else but I must admit I always do both <laughs> don't know about you chaps but well yeah I think because I think it's so variable isn't it manure I mean depends yeah. on the manure you're using I, I think cow manure is quite rich actually but you know it depends, yeah, it depends, on, on, the, it depends on a lot of factors doesn't it and because you don't really know what you're putting on you don't really know what the nutrients are it might mm. not be a bad idea to put something like blood fish and bone on as well because you're getting you know that that's a kind of you know balanced feed um and yeah. because it's organic it will break down kind of similar to the to the cow manure so you're kind of going to kind of cover all your bases without i don't think overdoing it too much i mean i wouldn't no. sort of put i mean i'd be less inclined to put say cow manure on and then an artificial really strong artificial fertilizer perhaps yeah. Whereas blood fish mm. and bone, I think, is a kind of a more natural sort of breaks down slower. Mm. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I don't think I'm, I think, yeah, I think I might put both on. I've used horse manure from the yard yeah, where I've got horses, and, and I didn't find it particularly great because um, mm. I don't think it's particularly high in nutrients, horse manure. Um, so, you know, it can say it's very variable. So I'll put something else on as well. Yeah, yeah Graham did mention about uh, checking any manure that you get from farms. It hasn't been, the fields haven't been used in herbicide sprays. Because yes. that, yeah. that is a problem, isn't it? Big problem if you, if you get, uh, yeah. you know, ones that have been sprayed. And it, you put it, on your, put it on your plot and then you find that all your plants are dying. Yeah, so destroyed. You know, you've got to be careful where yeah. you source it from, basically. Yeah, I think you should always check wherever you get it from. You know, check the, obviously the farmer where it's come, from, the farm where it's come from. I just checked they haven't used any herbicides mm. on on the on the fields. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. So use both. We're thinking. Um, yeah, use um, bloodfish about a lot really around the garden. I think it's really good organic feed. And it's cheap as well, and um, so that's another. Um, don't like to spend money, so a great big tub of it <laughs> is, um, lasts me for years, and it's uh, 
quite cheap money. It's good. There are alternatives. Yeah. There are alternatives, though, if you don't really want to go along that route. You know, if you're vegan or something, yeah, and you want to do something, you know, you yeah. don't want to use animal products. Um, I mean, you can use. You know, there are other things around. I mean, there's there's more and more products coming on the market now for vegan. For those that are vegan and don't want to use animal products, aren't they? Mm. I mean, comfrey is a good alternative as well. Yeah, comfrey Yeah, yeah. In fact, in the January issue, we've got a really good <laughs> no, <we're> gonna <laughs> Look out for a feature on making your own fertilizers. So net, nettle and comfrey and yeah. <laughs> Covering it all. So you stick with kitchen garden. It's a great kitchen garden. It covers all bases. It covers everything. It does. Read it for a year and you've got you've got everything covered. <laughs> we are the manure and the blood, fish and bone of the gardening world, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, right. have we got? I think we've have we run out of time there, chaps. Have we, I think we're getting a bit. I think we've covered them all, haven't we? We've covered them all. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to do this again. I think this was fun. Mm, good. We'll do this again. Fun. Yeah, yeah, send us your questions. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I mean, as, as we mentioned before, you'll find us on um, all the usual platforms: so Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. Uh, we've got the website as well. Um, so, of course, you can, you know, and YouTube. So, uh, visit all those various, you're going to be so busy visiting us on all those channels. But, um, of course, you can ask questions on any of those or just get in touch with us through the magazine and we'll do our best to answer, answer your questions for you. So, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed this, then you can find out more about the magazine or even take out a subscription, um, www.classicmagazines.co.uk. And say so visit the website kitchengarden.co.uk. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast and that you'll listen again. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to Kitchen Garden Prime for just £4.99 per month. You'll be getting a whole lot for your plot, including an easy read tablet and phone edition to read anywhere, anytime. Exclusive access to 10 years of digital back issue archives, access to exclusive content from the online allotment, the Mudcateers website. Plus, the monthly print magazine will be delivered free to your door each month. Head to classicmagazines.co.uk forward slash KG Prime to sign up today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.